0: Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Raina. That's when you say, hey. there you go. Hey.
1: <laughs> I know you pretty. <laughs> Some people go Raina Rose. <laughs> we
0: just re- basically recorded a Mr. Full Podcast. We were talking so much. Raina, please. I always I always say, I'm gonna change it up. The new question of the day. So it is what defines you?
1: What defines
0: me? It's a deep question. That
1: is a deep question. I would say it's like a combination of faith and contemplation and connection though. I have to admit connection's been hard for me since my brother passed. And I haven't realized that until recently, I've been doing a lot of inner work and really like connection's so important to me, but I've been holding people at arm's length. Cause it's like, I've lost the most important person to me. And now I sometimes like keep that distance, but connection is, to me, so important. Like, even in my book, is like connection with God, connection with self connection with others. And I really wrote it to myself, because I'm like, I need to connect again.
0: It kind of relates to what you do, though, because being the sole nutritionist as well. Like, I mean, nice. every life's everything about connection, even if you want to talk about connection with food, or if you want to mm-hmm. talk about connection with just people, I feel like when you have a conversation with somebody, it's easy to tell if someone's actually into it. Like a lot of times, you, you know, you'll find something like there's episodes I've done where it's like feels like I'm going through the muck where I'm like, are you even interested in what's going on? Are you trying to get something for yourself? That's why when I was messaging, you know, I was like, this is not an interview. It's a conversation because a conversation is meant to be a back and forth banner between two people. And that can get lost in translation because in the world of today, we don't know how to have conversations anymore. They get sent through a message or sent through text. It's like if you're I would correlate. It's like if you're dating. So. When you're dating, you're on Tinder, you're on whatever app, you can easily like take as long as you want to respond to somebody with a nice thought answer, like a good one. Like, oh, uh, want to go hey, how are you doing? I'm doing about as good as you're looking. That's that could be an easy, <laughs> an easy thing a person can take and sit on for 15 minutes for them to think that up, not on the spot. And then you realize when you're on the date with the person, like this person is fucking bland. I'm not getting anything, I'm not ta- they're not. They're not as like they were when they were on their phone. They were so
1: funny in yeah. writing. I just thought they were busy. They'd take so long to respond.
0: <laughs> and that's that's like something that's prime importance, especially like kind of like my whole shtick here is like to be able to kind of like talk to people and really find that conversation. Because I think we all have it. I just think the muscle, it needs to be worked. You need to talk to people on an everyday basis or you're, you're just going to be miserable in life. I mean, you can sit. Don't get me wrong. I like my alone time. Um, <laughs> I love sitting in isolation, but then after a month or so, and after like maybe even a couple weeks, you're like, I need to experience the world. I need to talk to someone. I need to feel like I'm being heard. Then when someone says a uh, good morning, it's like a hug for your soul. You're like, Oh my God, I'm not alone in the universe.
1: Definitely. Definitely. It's funny. You made me think of, uh, I was telling you before the show that I used to fly to on a private jet, you know, and this client would be in all different countries. He had homes and and um, I remember when I got back to America, I'd be like, bonjour, hello. <laughs> you know, I would forget. I always joked, like, I didn't have a lot of jet lag as far as sleep. I'm a really good sleeper. But I would have language lag. Like, I would forget which country I'm in when I went to automatically respond to something.
0: <laughs> That's got to I, I see, what do you think about the automatic response, though? Like, I mean, obviously, a lot of people use it. I use it, too, especially, like, out in the day and stuff. But it just seems weird weird, doesn't it? Like, especially when you're talking about connectivity with people, like yeah. I call it false connectivity. It's like, I'm not going to ask you how your day is and then walk away as I'm asking you. Cause then it's like, you're not even waiting for the response. I literally, I started noticing this with sympathy and empathy. I think that we replaced empathy with sympathy because every conversation I get into now, like if I'm talking to someone at my work or something, it's immediately I'm hearing a speech, a million things about their life. And I'm like oh my God, you haven't like been able to vent or talk to anybody about this. It's like, this is the reason why I think people are starting to see a high number of people going to therapy is because we need someone to vent to someone to talk to you used to be able to get that with a neighbor, a close friend, uh-huh. or even a family member.
1: Yeah. It's your Whole village, right? Yeah. I, I think a lot of the breakdown of society in a way is that we don't have those village any, villages anymore. You know, I see a lot of mom posts on people's instagrams and it's like because you were supposed to have a whole community supporting you in having a kid it's not something you're supposed to do on your own or just two people like and i i definitely feel you on that automatic um connection versus a nice conversation because I, I have a show as well and i i mostly for me it's also just a conversation especially on the show this the soul nutrition show on the um the show about sustainability it's it's more of an interview it's it's quick but i've had people on the soul nutrition show who think they're in an interview and i have a—I usually just have like a couple of questions but then i let it become a conversation and i ask them about you know their business or whatever they're on there for and the answers are like 30 seconds and i'm sitting here going oh my gosh we still have like most of the hour to fill and I'm trying to find something they're interested in because obviously it's not their business you know, yeah. that they came on for because I can only get 30 second answers. And so like sometimes finally I get onto their family or their spouse or something that they're actually interested in. And then we can, can keep the show rolling as well. Cause we have an hour to fill no matter what, but then also I find out like what they really are passionate about. Because once I got into this family or the spouse or, you know, a sport, Then they really start talking and it's like, okay, this is what you love. You do your business, but you love this aspect of your life.
0: It's even better when they give you an answer. Like, I'll give you the short story of the long story version. It's like, hold on a second. We got time to fill. That's kind of the point <laughs> of the whole long story. But that's why I sort of changed up the question at the beginning. Because a lot of people, like, they're not passionate about their job. They're just doing it to work. And I'm like, I end up getting to that later. I think it's like conversations, like finding a puzzle piece. Like, you just got to find what makes that person light up the most. Like, what's their trigger button? Like, oh, my God, I love this. And the next thing you know, you're talking about, like, video games. You're talking about movies. You're talking about whatever. <laughs> Or, I'm like, that's the fun part of it is to know that like, there are people out there that are passionate about something, at least for me, that's an energy thing. I mean, like that, I love to, you know, chat with you about finding out what you're interested in. I mean, you tell me you're the host of a show. So what does the show focus on?
1: Uh, so the show is called soul nutrition. And we say the various ways of nourishing your soul, it actually started. So it's a, a very conservative network. And I was on their magazine when my book was supposed to come out last year, with COVID and all kinds of stuff like has like really delayed it. Um, and so, you know, it was gonna come out then. So I was in their magazine anyway, and it came out. And for me, like my family's pretty lib- liberal for the most part, <laughs> like, especially on my dad's side. And it just came out with like all this conservative like jargon at, on it. I wouldn't even get political about it, but it was political and cons- anyway so I was like, okay, not going to do that magazine again. But then they called me up. They're like, our audience really loved you. We'd like you to do a show for us. And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and so they, they asked me again, cause they were charging me, you know, I was like, no, definitely not. They lowered the price to like almost nothing. I still said, I don't think so. <laughs> and then, so then I, I, pray in what's called like contemplative prayer where when I was younger, I would just like beg God for stuff and then explain to him how to fix my problems. You know, like yeah. that was prayer for me. I don't know how <laughs> like many I just, times you know. I asked for
0: superpowers and never got them. What?
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, Well, I'll be like, God, this is my problem. And this is how you should fix it. Like that I just was found out prayer.
0: Jesus is on Twitter.
1: I didn't know. Awesome. <laughs> I always wanted Jesus to be on something like Twitter. So I could be like, hey, Jesus, I just had a question. (laughs)
0: Apparently him and Satan go back and forth on it. I see some tags where they're tagging each other. I'm like, what is going on right now?
1: (laughs) Oh my God. I should tag them just for like, you know, to get in on that mess. But so now I pray like contemplative prayer, which is more of a meditation. And so I just like sit in silence and allow, you know, for me, I say God or Jesus. Some people could say the universe, you know, or divine intelligence to speak. And so as I was in that contemplative prayer and that show came up and it was like, well, what better place to have a peaceful show where I've had monks on the show. I have people who've like brought clean water to nations all over the world. And I didn't even know that like a jumbo jet full of kids die every day, basically from diarrhea because they had dirty water. Um, Kids under five, a whole jumbo jet full.
0: And so- That's the same thing with- um in Africa, there's a thing called Haitian mud cookies, which are um, they take dirt and they take salt and it's basically 95% dirt and 5% salt. And what they do is they basically eat these mud cookies and um, it stuffs their stomach, like just packs it filled so they can get off the point of starvation. Apparently I've heard they're really good. I used to work with a Haitian woman. She's like, my grandma has the recipe to make them taste like snickerdoodles. I'm like, I fucking think it still probably tastes like dirt. Um, right.
1: It's still dirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like, uh, you know, some of the protein shakes and stuff they say like, Oh, this tastes like an Oreo cookie. And you're like, no, it doesn't.
0: <laughs> it's like somebody but, dropped an Oreo cookie on the floor and mashed it with their foot.
1: Yeah. And the dirt too. <laughs> yeah, so, so anyway, I just had this like, kind of, you know, download, if you will, of what better place to have a really peaceful message with really cool guests who have a different, perspective um than on a super fundamentalist you know republican you know very conservative show um and so like i've had you know i bring on a lot of guests that are like from the republican party and they would totally agree with on the network and then i'll bring like an lbg lbgtq friendly pastor who this side totally wouldn't agree with you know and just like i don't want either side necessarily to change their mind But just ask new questions like i've brought up on there like could we love a terrorist and i tell a story about you know when i was in france i was singing at one of the churches there and we had this program for undocumented minors when the refugees would come up and they were under 18 we would help them get their paperwork in order so they could work in france one of the boys was like this beautiful tall strong black boy from ivory coast and he told us his story and when he was at the pool you could see like these whip marks down his back just from from being imprisoned at one point but what happened was he was in ivory coast and isis was trying to recruit him and so he ran away to the next town well they found him he ran away to the next city they found him so finally he hopped on top of like train cars and semi trucks and made it like pretty much to the border of africa and france or i mean spain africa and europe And he was imprisoned there and they like starved him, they whipped him and this guy helped him escape. He made it out, starved across the desert, finally made it into Europe and eventually made it to France. Well, it got me thinking like, wow, would I have had the courage to do all of that to avoid like getting recruited by something I didn't want to do? And I'm like, I think about how many terrorists or different things like that, have been, didn't have that kind of ch- courage that my beautiful friend, Sharif, who's like the most kind boy I've ever met, had he had just a little less courage, he would be ISIS, right? Just a little less. And and he would have been, you know, he wouldn't have gone from the town to the city all the way across the continent.
0: It's- It's crazy. You just brought that up because literally this morning I had got a message on an old video of an old podcast I used to do when this was first starting out. I ended up doing another one called fill in the blank, which was like, we would focus on specific topics. And I remember hearing in a Joe Rogan episode, a guy named General Butt Naked. (laughs) <laughs> um, the name basically gives away what he did, but he was a war- African warlord that fought naked and he believed that he was the son of God. Like he was basically Jesus himself. He believed that his nakedness would stop bullets from hitting him. Well, I, this comment was on a video from a year ago. I click on it and she's like, I can't believe that you're supporting an African warlord and his terroristic crimes, a guy who used to eat babies. And I was like, yes. But as we understand as a society is that our education evolves and we base everything on where we're from. Yes. What it, you listen, if that you would
1: be right there.
0: If you watch the documentary of General Butt naked, he has completely did a 180. He is actually spending a lot of his millions of dollars and trying to stop African warlords people from being conform to these armies. He's breaking up child soldier camps. He's building homes for the people in Africa. And I'm like, and he's still saying he wants to be tried for his crimes. Even wow. though he found Christ. So I look at that, I'm like, did should we condemn him for what he did? Yeah, what he did was wrong, but he'll pay with that if there's an afterlife. At the same time I look at him as what he's doing now. He's completely changed his ways. And she had commented on a video from a year ago. I'm like, I was gonna comment back and be like, what the fuck like find another hobby, yo, take up knitting. Like, do you need to put your input on a video that has 10 views? Like it doesn't make any sense to me, but that's, she
1: liked your stuff so much. She's gone all the way back to a
0: year ago. That's the one podcast I stopped doing. (laughs) And it's actually getting a lot of positive feedback and negative feedback. It's like all focused on like government programs and all this other stuff. That's like, people are like, I did my research paper on this. I'm like, cool. Can you like my actual one? Like the one I actually want to Garrett Rowe. Right, the um, one that's current. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's, it was interesting to me because it was the aspect of how I like to look at history. When people say, oh, George Washington was a bad guy and all these things were bad people. or yeah. Indian, Native Americans weren't that good either. But I got into right. a conversation with an anthropologist and I was talking to her. It's not that they're bad people. What they did is wrong in our eyes now because as a society, we have evolved to progress to a better form of being in touch with our emotions and being in touch with the feelings and rationality of others. But that gets disconnected with social media. It's where I talk about empathy and sympathy that have been replaced. Absolutely, You're supposed to not eat people. That's amazing. I'm glad we don't do that anymore. But back in the day, that was a thing that they thought of based on religious reasons and also at what their knowledge was at where they were from mm-hmm. we shouldn't look at them as savages or barbarians or crazy people we should look at how as a society we have progressed way past that and i think well, people yeah. want they want something to string up they want something to blame or say that this this needed to change because they're animals and i'm like don't look at them as animals consider that for the time period look at how as a society how amazing we have grown Think of it in a positive light and you're going to get a positive response instead of negativity where people are fighting their own friends and family
1: yeah and i mean that's really the basis of empathy and it's interesting i, I keep going to this alt mba because i it's it's amazing how many practical real life things we're learning on top of business things but we did this exercise on empathy and you have to go in and and see the world view of the person that you're empathizing with. And it's usually we have to do it with someone you disagree with. And so like you're saying back in the day, or even if you just come from another society that is not, you know, so much in this century, you know, you're going to have a different worldview. If you've grown up your whole life that people eat babies, and this is what happens, your worldview is different than someone. You know, if you come from a Westernized Judeo-Christian background, I mean, the Jews have been saying "don't eat babies" since you know Moses' time, um, but other cultures around them still were. So, but if you were from one of these other cultures, your worldview is that's okay. That's uh, you sacrifice it to this god, or you, you know, that's what it was. And so, when I'm looking at someone now and I don't agree, I have to go back and think, what's their worldview? What? Why do they believe they're right? Because. Almost nobody does things when they don't think they're right. If they do, they're going to hide it, right? But if they're doing something publicly, they think they're doing the right thing. And so if I vehemently disagree with that, how can I look into where are they from? What was their upbringing? What was their culture? How were they raised? Um, what are they surrounded by now? What kind of voices do they have? And that's going to explain why they think they're right in whatever they're doing, whether that's eating babies. But And then I love that... Um, general butt naked is it yeah (laughs) I love that he's out changing that because how much better for someone who used to eat babies who used to you know go out and do these things that he's now saying hey this this probably isn't right and I want to let you all know then some you know missionary who's white coming into this crowd and saying don't do this don't do that like that I can't go say that he can I mean I can but who's gonna listen right you're gonna you when someone from your own tribe and your own background and your own worldview and paradigm comes in and says, Hey, you know, I don't know if this is the right way of doing things. And I'm actually going to try my, make sure I'm tried for these crimes. Then I'm going to go, Oh, someone from my own worldview is saying this is wrong. Maybe I should pay attention.
0: Well, it's like, if I told you that Eating a McDonald's cheeseburger every single day was going to be the best thing ever. You're going to lose weight. You're going to do all these things. And you were grown up to know that lifestyle. You would continue doing it until someone shattered your illusions on how that was fake and how that was false information. I mean, the sugar industry did it big with um the fact yes, that they, they tried did. to blame fat. They blamed mm-hmm. fat for being the cause of eat fat. You're going to get fat. Next thing you know, it turns out it's the sugar industry. You eat too much sugar, it's bad for you. And it's actually, you need essential fats in your body to produce hormones and these types of things. Mm -hmm. It's a whole shift. And this is what I have a problem with where the world's going right now is all this information is like white lied. Everything throughout history has been like not telling the whole truth or telling it in a glamorized version Then people find out about it later. And then we get pissed off. I'm like, people have a loyalty and have a pack mentality, but when you lie to them, they don't know what to believe, and then they start thinking everything's a lie. That's the hardest part is trying to find like. When I, I I like to think of myself as a bit of an empath when it comes to talking to people, I can kind of sense like I'm nice to everybody. I'm either you can't say I'm a nice person or a mean person. You just say I'm freaking Robbie, but when I talk to people, I can tell if it's like an open door, if it's like a house with a front door that says you're welcome to come in and have that conversation. Then I see a lot of people nowadays where it's like built up walls where it's like I need to cross a moat and three different alligators to get into like a conversation stance with you. And I think it's a matter of a fact, the same reason when I messaged you, it's like how I message everybody. And surprisingly, it's when I say I'm not looking to attack you or anything and people don't understand that because the way the world has gone to so far is that it, it must have been something i posted it must have been something that they're commenting they don't agree with me with that's what they're trying to do and then you have to listen for yourself and then there you go but it's that thing is no nope the authenticity in the world is gone. I'm like, where's that? It's still here. It's gotta be. People are known to be creative. And I think there's more good people on this earth than bad, but all we get shown is the bad. And that projects even more badness out into the world. And then people are just afraid to even leave their homes. Netflix is so much easier.
1: (sighs) Right. And it keeps you company in some ways. You know, as you were speaking, I really, um, a lot of what I talk about, in everything I do, in, including the book, is really like awareness. And so the the book Sin Tastes Good, it's all, it's all about like comparing nutrition, which I started out life as like a personal trainer and Pilates instructor at Equinox. And, you know, learned a lot about nutrition, always studied um, like the blue zones and ways to live longer. And then, you know, I apply that to a spiritual sense and spiritual questions. And I think whether it's food or like religion and spirituality of faith, you have to take the knowledge you can get, okay, fat's bad, sugar's bad, I need to do this, I need to do that, you know, and you need to see how that feels in yourself. Okay, if I eat a full diet full of no fat and all these carbs and sugars, how do I feel? You know, and take, take note, you have to really like begin to get in tune with yourself, which takes time and awareness. Um, you know, we were talking about fasting before the show. For me, when I fast, I, really, I don't really get that hungry because when my brother died, I in, unintentionally fasted for a month. And so now if I do three days or five days, I, I'm almost never hungry, but I am bored. And what I do is I like go to the cupboard or the fridge and I open it up and I realize I'm not hungry. And then I ask myself, what am I trying not to feel? Because obviously I'm having some sort of emotion right now. And I want to soothe this with food because that's what we do as humans. And so, whether it's emotions or it's food in our diet, we can get the knowledge and the wisdom. That's important. But to sift that knowledge and wisdom, you have to apply it and then feel it out. And, you know, for some people, uh, keto really works for them. That's their thing. For some people, vegan really works for them. That, but you have to test it in your own body and feel. I feel so much more energetic when I do this thing or that thing. I feel, you know, my skin clears up when I do this one or that, you know, because first of all, we're all different, right? And second of all, you're right. There's all these conflicting information out there and you don't, and people don't know what to believe, but instead of just blindly believing, like that's right, try it, try it on for six weeks. See if your skin clears up. See if you have more energy. And if not, try the other thing. And, you know, keep experimenting and see what your truth is because your truth might not be my truth.
0: Well, it's just good, it's good advertising, is the fact of what why so many people feel like they get robbed and stuff. It's like they're show you a picture of a dude with a six pack and say that he took this pill or something, and you can get that. Let me tell you something. I have a six-pack and you don't keep it 24-7. You drink a drink, you get bloated with water weight. Next thing you know, it's gone. That's why you need to follow real bodybuilders. You need to follow real people that experience. I have a gym addiction and the only person i've been able to relate that with is two people on this earth one was a transgender person that could relate on the aspect of being body dysmorphic um that example of being in like seeing yourself in the mirror not being comfortable in your own skin is something that's always been for me um not on the aspect of gender more on the aspect of looks i'm always constantly judging myself on looks um but ronnie coleman He's so addicted to the gym. There's literally a video of him where the doctor's like, if you just stop working out, take a rest day, you will be fine. Your muscles will go back, they won't be so atrophy. But he's in crutches on his arms and he's doing mm-hmm. freaking bicep curls because he's like, It's I'm it's, I, I can't just not work out. And he's like doing bicep curls, but he talks about it. He's had 12 back surgeries, four hip replacements, and he's only like I think in his 50s. Like he's not that old of a guy. And it's just because yeah. he, he's squatting 450 pounds. He was 0.3% body fat. Wow. That's like one third of a percent of body fat, 1%. Yeah. And
1: uh-huh. he was like
0: 300 something pounds doing like crazy stuff. He's uh eight time Mr. Olympia, but yeah. that's amazing story. But like, people think like, I gotta do, I gotta buy his product. I gotta buy his product. I gotta buy his product. No, you don't. You need to find what works for you. That right. man talked about eating Arby's and Burger King while he was working out. So, a I'm, lot of
1: bodybuilders do.
0: I'm know? pretty sure you just need to find what your niche I is. I started
1: about it. Gold's Gym as a trainer. So, I was around that all the time, you know, like especially right after it was like Arby's and pizzas. So I'm like no one can eat and drink more than trainers can, you know, and, and lifters and things like that. But to to that guy, I would also say what am I trying not to feel? You know, there's something He doesn't want to feel.
0: Sometimes it's, 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 it's go to the addiction. Mm -hmm. That's what I tell people like before I even do a podcast, I work out at four o'clock in the morning and then I'm done at six. Mm -hmm. And I've done that every day for eight years. And I, I, I know I said it was the last time I was going to say that in like a past episode. (laughs) Um, it's, it keeps the demons away. I tell people when you sit there and you do your meditation where you look inside of yourself, Mm -hmm. if I'm an insomniac, so I don't sleep. So I am constantly being surrounded by my own thoughts. And a lot of my thoughts aren't positive ones. And I can tell when that po- when that negativity starts to creep in. And that's around the time when it's been almost a full 24 hours since my workout, because I've used that yeah. as my form of therapy for so long. Yeah. It keeps, it keeps me leveled. It's able to have a conversation like this, because if right now, if I was thinking about the gym, this conversation wouldn't happen. I'd be like, sorry, I got something I do. And then I head out. <laughs> but it, once I get leveled with that, it, It puts me in a place where i can sort out things that are in my own life and i've started to try and really think i guess i want to put this out there into the world of a thing that we should be doing as people looking inside of ourselves and finding what makes us uncomfortable what is that thing that makes us so i guess so disgusted or so like oh this is my problem for sure i can tell like this is the issue i definitely need to fix but i'm not worried about it me i have an ego issue I noticed it from about a year and a half ago when people started giving me compliments. So now I reject all compliments. I'm fine with like, thank you. I appreciate that, but I'm good. And I'll move it. I'll pass it on. Like, you're awesome. That's what it is. Because once you feed that ego, you're letting in the door for I'm okay where I'm at. And once you start letting in the door for I'm okay with I'm at, you'll never be happy. And you'll just be feeding off compliments the whole time. There's a level of acceptance. And then there's a level of what you should keep aspiring to be our biggest enemies can be ourselves at times. And I look at like all the anxieties, all the depression, all these things they're made by us and a lot of factors around us, but we let a lot of these things get into our heads. I suffer from depression. I suffer from anxiety, but a lot of it is the fear of being made fun of being whatever. Yeah. Then my cousin just tosses at me. Why do you give a shit what what do you care about the person in the store because oh you're not wearing a a good jacket, so you can't walk in the store with sweatpants on why do you care if you're only going to see them for five minutes, what do you care and i'm like you're right, why do I care but it's future worrying. We worry about the future. We worry about how we're going to look. We worry about what we have. We worry about all these things that mean nothing in the grand scheme of things. If you have to change your perspective onto something bigger, change it into the perspective of the world. How minuscule, minuscule you are on that radar of what the world is. The world doesn't care if you die or not. People will around you but the world is a grand scheme of things and it's constantly moving whether you don't pay your gas bill or not. So once you have that perspective in things, why are you thinking on the closed mindset of fear of what your neighbor will think of you? What, why can't I say I'm a, a, I'm a, this type of Republican? Whatever you want to say. Right. Why can't you say that? Because you're afraid of if your neighbor will come and take your sign down from your lawn. And then the right. bigger question, why do they give a shit? Like You have, I guarantee to you all these people that are talking about, please vote. I'll say right now, I'm not voting. I'm not going to, but the funny thing is once whoever gets elected, I'm not going to complain about who's being elected. You know,
1: I have a policy of that. I say, you know, if I am unwilling or unable to do anything about it. So if I'm unable, I just can't, or I'm unwilling, I'm not going to, I abdicate my right to bitch about it. (laughs) You know, like... If I'm not going to do anything like for me i'm actually I, I don't really support either so i'm voting for like this independent who's an towards, official towards independent not, no i'm um, jade simmons she's this black woman who's running. Um, and I actually volunteered to be one of her electoral college I don't know if it ended up going through but like the the chance of her actually getting it is is minuscule but I'm like I'm not actually throwing away the vote because it's to an official candidate which I've thrown away my vote before like I remember um one year I uh, couldn't vote for either candidate I just didn't feel good about either so my roommate at the time wanted to be president one day so I was like Courtney Gilson <laughs> you know and I'm like when you if you ever become president I gave you your first vote because I'm like I'm exercising my right that I I voted I'm not like just you know being apathetic about it in any way. Um, But I can also say, like, I don't really agree with either. So that's what I'm doing. But I love your perspective, too. It's like, if I'm not going to go do anything about it, I'm not going to bitch about it afterward. You know, I know somebody who would talk about every political thing. And they were, like, in their late 40s and had never voted. And they were, like, had strong political opinions about how things should be done. And they had never voted in, like, almost 50 years old. (laughs) You know?
0: I look at, like like even if a bad song comes on or i'm like you why do you sit there and hate it so much it's like why don't you just change the thing it's like if you don't like the video then move on to the next one but like we're so fueled by being pissed off or upset at things it's like you never write a good review you're more well you're more likely to write a bad review and i'm like why does everything have to be a conflict why can't it just be as simple as just doing something like i i starting to believe in karma a little bit just because a lot of things happened recently that were like oh shit like i helped a, i gave a guy a ride home um who worked at mcdonald's at like three o'clock in the morning um you know gave him a ride home and then next thing you know he ends up working a food line a month later and i am short a couple of dollars and he oh. he covers me so i'm like damn that's fucking awesome he's like yeah you gave me a ride home i'm like yeah and then he tells me about his podcast I'm like everybody's got a podcast uh <laughs> but it's uh like it's that type of thing. It's like just even doing something and not expecting a return on things. It's it doesn't just, it, it has to payoff. It's not money. It's not stuff. It's not possession. It is something for your soul. And I didn't and it, know exactly what the soul was until that, those moments.
1: I love that. Cause that's like the, the, the subtitle of the synthase good book is nourishing your soul in an empty calorie world. And it's all about like, what is the soul? How do you connect to your soul and it's experiences like that and you know i only share this because I, I just made these and i shared this with my group last night but i i make them all the time i've actually been making it for years so i have these little cards and they say beloved on them and i keep them in the different cars that are at this house and um i make sure we have at least a couple in the glove box at all times and if anytime i see a homeless person i give them a card And it's got like an encouraging note in there and $5, you know? And the last time was like, maybe Monday night, I gave this to a person and they just received it and they're like, I haven't gotten something like this in so long, you know, like they were so, and I've sometimes gone out of my way to, to drive and give one to someone. And then I have to reverse and go the way I was actually going. And I'll see them crying that. Someone because sometimes I'll say like, if you received this, I, I prayed for you, which I do, you know, I'll like drive away and pray for that person. And just for them to be like, someone cares enough to pray for me. Someone went out of their way to come give me this. And it rewards me, you know, I've never met a person, you know, later on personally that I've given one to, and I've probably given out hundreds in over the years. And, but it rewards me. It makes me know that like, you know, I would want that if I were, you know, in that situation. I would want someone to write me a pers- like a note, and and give me money too, because just writing me fancy words doesn't help me eat. You
0: know. Well, it's crazy because if you write something like that, a lot of times, like it'll say like "beloved," like "I'll pray for you," any of these types of things. Somebody reads it and goes, "Pray for me." I'm not religious, and then they throw the card away. It's like, hang on a second. It's more than just bringing up an issue with the fact that you're not religious. It's more of the fact of like. If somebody's doing something out of the kindness of their heart, thinking about you in a time where you're struggling and you're going to complain that you're not religious and then you start making (laughs) fun of them for being religious. It's like, I'm not a religious person, but if somebody says, I'll pray for you, I go, thank you. I say, thank yeah. you. I said, I'm dealing with a lot right now. And I appreciate that you're at least thinking of me. Like that's the whole thing. But Even
1: if you believe in law of attraction, you're yeah. going to be like, yeah, give me some prayer because I just want some of those positive vibes. Right. I mean,
0: I think if too much goes right into your life, you might be like, it might be a sign that you're going to die. Like I hit a green light on the way home. Like I never happens. There's like 50, green, there's 50 lights. So I hit a green on every single one of them. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not leaving this house for the rest of the night because I'm pretty sure I'm about to die. Like I had one of those yeah, moments.
1: That's the only way that could have happened. <laughs>
0: it's like it either goes correct 100% or it goes wrong 100%. So I'm like, I'm on the. I would like to be 50 for 50.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think that's one thing about, I don't know, I was talking to someone about, you know, teen suicides and suicide attempts and stuff like that. And I think that, you know, the longer we live we realize there's these ups and there's downs, there's ups. And it's like waves, right? And when you're a teenager, and I know like when I was a teenager, I attempted suicide, you know, I took a whole bottle of pills one night, like just, I thought it was never going to get any better because you've never gone up and down enough to know that like, okay, right now sucks. You know, I'm not receiving Maslow's hierarchy of needs, except for like probably the bottom ones. Cause my, I live at my parents' house, you know, but like the acceptance and love and all this stuff that I, I crave as a human being, I'm not getting. And so I feel like it's never gonna get any better. And if it's never gonna get any better, I, I just wanna end this, you know? And this is, we see a lot of, you know, high school and suicides and things like that. But as you get older and granted, we see it in, in people who are older as well, but you begin to see that there's ups in lives and there's downs in life. Sometimes everything's going right. You know, when I, when I was flying on that jet, I was like, life could never get any better than Amazing, you know, like I'm getting paid to be like in live a billionaire's lifestyle and fly around on private jets and go to cool islands, you know. But then there's been down times where, like, you know, I actually changed my name because of suffering abuse, and like um, I felt like when I was Melissa, I played small and I didn't want to say anything, and I didn't want to lose that amazing job. And then I was like, you know what? Raina stands up for justice even in the face of loss. And if I can't stand up for justice in the face of losing a job. How will I stand up in the face of more important things? And then I went through downs, you know, and, but when you've been through enough up and downs, you know, it will go up again. And that's the tough thing. If, you know, if you haven't had a whole lot of life to see like, okay, it goes up, goes down, goes up, goes down. And it's kind of like the stock market usually consistently gets a bit better. (laughs) Um,
0: How hard was that for you when you lost your brother though? Like, I mean, when you lost your brother, Mm -hmm. for instance, like, you know, hearing you say about the ups and downs, I think you need to talk to people that are seasoned. I believe that there are Mm -hmm. some people I look at and I'm like, you haven't experienced a fucking thing. Like there are some people where I'm just like, where's the, where's the trauma? Where's the trauma? I don't (laughs) see the trauma. But like, you know, I'll share this. So if you want to share your thing too, September was the hardest month for me. My birthday, I spent all in the emergency room. So I didn't even get to spend my birthday. And then from dealing with that, it's just been severe lower degradation of pain all mm-hmm. the way into where i'm at now but in september my grandmom came out was having cancer and then she was been hiding it for so long to now at the point where it's like we're lucky she's even alive and then i lost three friends in a matter of two weeks so that at one point i was like might as well you know it does. there's no happiness from here it's just yeah. i need to i need this pain to stop Mm-hmm. but i'm about a month and a half actually i think it might have been in like around july not september but it's been a couple mm-hmm. months since this issue happened and, and i don't even think like i can't even think about what place i was in back then the thing is that close grip that tunnel that seems like this pain is never going to stop mm-hmm. it's got such a hold on you where you think this is going to be like this for fucking ever and life is not like that life has a, and this is just me saying this today tomorrow i could be a whole different perspective <laughs> absolutely it's you know those yeah.
1: ups and downs you talk about—that's—and you talk about talking to someone who's seasoned, who's been through it. And I was really lucky. So when my brother died, I mean, I literally, oh, I had been having brunch with him and the family a couple hours. He went out on a motorcycle ride. Him and his friends were driving back, and this off-duty police officer came um, on his motorcycle, flying around the corner, and the two motorcycles hit each other straight on. Their t- their hearts detached from the chambers, both riders. And my brother was on a big, huge, like Harley style bike, a Honda Shadow. And he and he's like a big dude as well. He went up, down, and I guess his head was bleeding everywhere, but he looked, he had a smile and he looked like he was just laying on the sofa and passed quickly. And the officer like spun across the lanes, my brother's roommate and the girlfriend who was wearing my helmet. Unfortunately, she had it up instead of down and she got like cuts all over her face. But And she also, they thought she broke her back. Anyway, so they hit the officer, ejected, And his roommate ends up losing his arm too throughout this whole accident. Like it's just this one guy, the officer who had been drinking and riding, just effed up everyone's life in an instant, right? And so there's anger there. There's you know, depression. There's when I looked at the police report and there was pictures of my brother in a body bag and I could recognize him exactly. You know, I just, I literally. The moment I found out, I grabbed the ground screaming. I grabbed the ground screaming for like seven hours until I couldn't, I had no voice anymore. And I just wanted to like melt into the ground and die too. My brother was my best friend. Like we grew up in the jungle of Brunei together because my dad used to fly jets for the Sultan. Um, That's how I got into that. Um, and I always joked like we were each other's best friends because we were each other's only friends half the time. <laughs> and then when we came back to America we just kind of stayed best friends for our whole lives. And so he was 24, I was 27. And, you know, we had just been at brunch, shooting the breeze, joking at how like lame he looked with his little tea because he was a little bit sick, you know, and like having a wonderful time. And then a couple hours later, I come home and he's, he's gone. And um, so then, you know, after the screaming, I I didn't eat for like a month and my friends would come and bring me like insurers, like because if I'd see food, I just want to throw up. It just looks so gross. I couldn't even think about it. And, and so, you know, normally, especially before this, and it might've been a little bit of honestly, like fake it till you make it. Actually it was, it was like, I needed to be positive all the time. I was like the person, you know, I was a cheerleader in high school and I was had your positive mantra and please don't rain on my parade. You know, I'll give you a positive, you know, but I'd had no empathy truly before this. Cause I was just like, I needed to be so positive. I couldn't stand anyone that wasn't like, I'd have to cheer him up instead of like really be with someone in that time. So anyway, I went from being the happiest person people knew to like a zombie. I mean, it looked like I was a shell of the person that they knew. And people were afraid because they kind of came to me for needing that positive light. And I just had none. I just had none. And thankfully, talking to some people who had been through it, I had a a girlfriend who had lost her brother in a skateboarding accident. And I had um, the guitar player at our church lost his brother. And the guitar player at our church said, the second year is the hardest, just so you know, like this year sucks. It's kind of, it's hurts, but you're really numb. And by the second year, um, don't feel like you're crazy. Cause if I hadn't been told this, I would have thought I'm getting worse. There's something wrong with me. Like I should be getting better by now. But the thing is you just start to feel in the second year and everyone else is forgotten. Everyone else has healed because they weren't as close to the situation as you and, um, so when I got worse the second year, and it did get worse, because it's like now I'm really feeling Christmas without him. Now I'm really feeling his birthday go by. Now you know, instead of being numb, um, without someone having told me, "Hey, just so you know, this word, this road gets a little lower before it goes up," uh, I wouldn't. I I don't know what I've done honestly. I and I I had been starting to get closer to God in like a really mystical kind of way through contemplation and stuff right before my brother died. And without that closeness too, I mean, I really had a hard time living without him. I still do. I'm I mean, like, you know, I I still tear up. It's been 10 years. And uh, he, like I said, he was my best friend. I still dream about him all the time.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Whole, that's a, that's a tough story. I'm glad somebody talked to you and was able to comfort you too. At least yeah. give you like, Hey, it's going to get a little bit worse. So don't think you're crazy. Like that's a, I mean, any, the the situation I had, I, I had to talk myself out of it. And that took a long time. I had some people that, you know, gave me a little bit of advice here and there. But it was like, I, it's so hard, especially when dealing, like we say, people with the biggest smiles are usually hiding the most trauma or hiding, like, the most difficult situation. Uh, biggest reference in the world, Robin Williams. That man had, I think it's the aspire of, we want people around us to feel good when we're feeling bad. It's just it sucks the air out of a room. It really does. When something it comes up, we're like, shouldn't I fucking ask that one? Or, you know, you know, it's that type of thing. Yeah. I think the world's like you have an issue or people have an issue with something say like I had a buddy that had, um, you know, he, he had a family issue go on and I was talking to him and he said, thank you for like actually listening to me. Cause that's all, I just needed to get it out. I just needed to talk. And I said, like, I know, I know, I, I kind of realized that. But he had turned to like 10 other people too. And everything was like, man, that sucks. Let me tell you about what's going on in my life. And then it's like, whoa, hold on a second. I'm the one that needs help right now. And you're just, and you realize we're all like bottling up a lot of pain. And I feel like a lot of that pain, it can be talked about with a close friends for sure, but it can be talked about with anybody, but not expressed out like that. It needs to be like let's get into a conversation. And if it leads down into that, or if it takes our mind off of the pain, that is what the, that is the, best I can offer anybody is that I can pull you out of a situation that you might not see a tunnel or you might not see anything out of. Not that I can understand every experience that everybody's experiencing out there, but I can get your mind off what you've been thinking about for a long time. And I think that's important and what more people need to learn how to do. It's just the objective idea of communication. You need to talk right. to people. You need to so get not that not. energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: We don't know. We don't learn in our, our society so much how to communicate with people. People. And that's one of the things I mentioned too, is, you know, sometimes people be like, oh, your brother died. My dog died last year. And I know just how you're feeling. And you're like, um, no, you don't. <laughs> um, but the, then the best response that I really had was from someone who was very empathetic. And, you know, the only thing she said is there's just no words. There's just no words. And there aren't there when you're going through something like you said, he had several friends die. I had another friend die like two weeks after my brother. And it was like such a haze. This was a guy I had like gone to winter formal with at school and stuff. And I was like, Robert, who? Wait, that Robert, like, you know, all of a sudden I, and he was killed at a New Year's party. My brother died um, like two weeks before Christmas. And so like all these things happening in a row. And then for someone to be like, I know just how you feel. My dog died. You know, it was like, I also realized though, that they just didn't know what to say. And I remember I lost um, like 12 pounds in a week or something like that. And somebody who like just didn't know, like, like well, at least you could lose some weight, you know, in this society where that's like the best thing ever. And I remember being like, I would gain a hundred pounds if you bring my brother back. Like, you know, but I think there's just this awkwardness. We don't know what to say when someone's in pain because we are not taught empathy as a culture in general. We're taught, you know, let's be sunshine and smiles all the time. And if we're not sunshine and smiles, there's, there's a real problem. So let's fix that problem. Um, and if we learn how to, uh, in the Bible, it says like mourn with those who mourn, like to get on the on the level and be what like, what do you need right now? Do you need me to just be here with you? Or do you need cheering up? Cause I can do either. But if you don't need cheering up and that's just really going to make you worse at this moment, I'll just sit here with you. And I had two friends who would like take turns and they would just come and sleep with me until I fell asleep. So I wouldn't be alone, you know, and they would just lay there, Head out when i finally fell asleep because i was just so like got some I was good in. friends mm-hmm. but they weren't there to show me they just sat they were quiet you know
0: there's nothing to say. even the presence of just being in the room really just lets people know that they're there when you need it and i think that's what we all need is we need a reliance of we have someone to lean on if it gets tough i have a buddy uh one of the first episodes i had he's he's the only per- like what really grinds my gears is when somebody makes me repeat myself like i have somebody in my family like where i'll say something and they're like well i wasn't listening what are you saying and then like i have to even if i send it in a text i'm like just reread it reread it i'm not going to retext it and, right um, he does it on purpose he's my best friend and he does it on purpose he goes I'm sorry. Were you talking? I'm like, dude, I know you heard me about what I just said. And he goes, what What? what was it that again? Like trying to get me to go and I'll just be quiet until like he, he loves that. But we don't talk for months. Like I haven't talked to him since like July. And then I'll randomly get a message from him. Like I got a message from him the other night that was like, hey, just making sure you're doing all right. Love you, man. I'm just like, i you too, bro. Right. It's, that, it's just to know that if I ever needed a place to stay, it's his yeah. house. If I needed someone to talk to, it's him. If I needed something, if something crazy is going on in my life, it was that and a lot of times you want to be alone, too. I'm a self thinker. I'm a hermit when it comes mm-hmm. to wanting to be with my own thoughts to figure things out. I mean, I had my a text where I was finding out my grandma had cancer. Then the next day, I found out my buddy fell off a three story balcony. Then a week later, my, uh, my buddy got into a car accident and then killed him and his passenger. And then not even the next day I had somebody's mom come tell me that uh, her son shot himself. And I'm like, Woo! at this point I was like, okay, really like what's going on in the world today? And then like, you know, you have those moments where you can turn to religion. I'm not a religious person, but I was sitting there thinking like, is there a bigger picture out there really? Cause you just don't want to think that after you die, you die. Right. And then I had just I was just sitting there thinking and somebody came up to me and was like, hey, like, you OK, um, it was my supervisor at work. I'll give him a shout out. Um, but I'm sitting there thinking, like, why don't I just his pain doesn't seem like it's going away. And I've been thinking about this for a lot. and I haven't worked out today. So I'm like, are those adults are even twice as impacted. And he's like looking at me. I mean, work at a gym. So it's like he just looked at me. He goes, you're right, man. He's like, you get a lift in today. Cause he understands it. I'm like, yeah, not yet. Uh, afterwards, but I told him what was going on. He was like, dude, it's rough, man. I can't give you any answers. Um, I don't know what that experience is like, but you know, mm-hmm. if you ever need people to talk to, look me up, man, you know, where, you know where I'm at, dude. So he goes, why don't you go get a workout in. And then if you want to talk afterwards, we can. And I said, thanks. Yeah. And then afterwards I felt so refreshed, but it was just that type of thing. I mean, I had witnessed in my town, a woman crying on the bus. Nobody said a fucking word to her. Nobody even acknowledged her existence thinking that she's some crazy person because what we see on the news. And I just said, I was like, are you okay? And she starts telling me all these things that are going on in her life. That's really just, really just hit her. Something important in her life just happened. And I was like, oh my God. And then you sit there and you talk and then they feel better. How many people are going to ignore that person? It's the same um, Kyle Gates, I think his name was the guy who jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and lived, mm. he cried on a 45 minute bus ride and nobody said a word to him. And he said, if somebody would have just asked how he was doing or said hi to him when he took that step off the bus to jump off the bridge, he might not have jumped. It's that simple as stuff people don't realize is that we all play an effect in each other's lives. Some, i watched a dude die at my work. right in front of my eyes. I called 911, they brought him back to life. But in that moment, I, my new policy talk, treat nice to every old person. I don't care. That's my new policy. I say hi to that guy every day. But it's it's that thing of why does it have to be so drastic for you to change? Why do you have to be at the end game? Why do you have to be obese? Why do you have to be diabetes? Why do you have to have stomach cancer? Why do you have all these things before you have to start fixing yourself? Why can't we Mm -hmm. stop it before it gets to that point? But we don't realize the impact until it hits that red line.
1: Right, we don't have that catalyst for change a lot of times until something really drastic happens. Wow, that's just,
0: you God, know. God about- bless you for thinking all this stuff up in the morning. Holy crap, I know. <laughs> I know.
1: I like just barely woke up. <laughs> but yeah, no, you know, I was thinking about that person on the bus and our society these days, and I say the society, I, I, I get pulled into it too, you know, where a text message or an email or, you know, a post or something that i have to do for something that makes money you know i feel like we ignore the human experience to do what we're told we're, we're supposed to do we're supposed to make money we're supposed to be effective we're supposed, supposed to, to
0: get a job and work the nine to five
1: yeah you know and like a gen- i mean honestly i've I've almost never had a real job in my life. I've always, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 19. I started my own fitness business actually at 19. And, but at the Are same time, <laughs> I I don't, I don't have it anymore. I'm a little bit past 19. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I did have it for about eight, eight years. And then I continued in fitness for another until 11 years total. But, um, and I loved it, but yeah, you know, I've taken a lot of risks with businesses and with different things that I've done, but I see in my friends and things as well, like we can't take risks. We have to like follow the corporate ladder and we have to do it this way. And, and, you know, we don't have time for friends because that's not making money. And I'm like, but then why are you making money? If you don't have friends, if you don't have time for the things money is for, why are you making it? Like, obviously we need a house and like basic shelter. That's basics. what
0: Help you're her. told to do.
1: Exactly. And, and we've been kind of told as society that like, your email is more in person than that more important than that person's tears, you know, so I'm going to sit like this as she cries right next to me.
0: Well, finding happiness, like, it really hit me m- last year, my uh, well, actually over the summer, my cousin had lived with us for like six months and he almost married into wealth basically like they were flying private jets and getting like five thousand like ten thousand dollar dinners and stuff and that was just a normal dinner for him and i was like really? why did you leave that like she was gorgeous she was all these types of things and you left that like that seems like you would locked it down man. you wouldn't have to work a day in your life and then he just goes i wasn't happy mm-hmm Why would I want to be happy? Money doesn't mean anything to me. But then like he's buying an $8 Dunkin Donuts coffee. I'm like, bro, we're on a budget now, bro. You got to learn how to budget lifestyle. This isn't the 50,000, whatever plane rides and stuff. This is budget time. So it was weird seeing that shift in him of like trying to figure out like, oh wait, I don't have the money for that. And I'm like, yeah, you're regretting it now, aren't you? And he goes, I'm not at all, man. He goes, you don't understand like money is just an object and it's a thing. It gets us nice stuff. It gets us what we want. But if I have to cut things to try and live and be as happy or fine where I feel like I am happy, I'm going to do so. And then he tossed out like uh, the fame thing too, which is like people that think of you like, oh, have the sweatpants confidence to walk in a store. What do you care what people think? And famous people we're all on the same level. Nobody's higher up than anybody. If you're a Matthew McConaughey, or if you're just a random person on the street, it doesn't matter. Only thing I know is I know that person's name and I know the movie he's in. You're still could have a better conversation with you than I could with Matthew McConaughey. And he told me that because his babysitter was Sam Elliott. My cousin's yeah. babysitter was Sam Elliott. And I'm I have like, a,
1: a friend oh. that's on um Big Bang Theory. And, really? um you know, he's one of my wisest friends. And, you know, I don't, the only reason I've actually ever watched the show is just to watch him
0: in it, <laughs> but like- I would um, say Kaylee Cuco, that's <laughs> the one I'm watching. Yeah, I,
1: I haven't even owned a TV since like 2009, I think. Um, But, you know, I, I would, if I was on an airplane, I'd watch it, if I was at a, I would watch it, if it, I saw it come on just to see him. But, you know, he's just a person, but he's an amazing person, way better person than he's portrayed on television. You know, like- on television is kind of a you know he's a flat character a little bit that it's just this one way but in real life I'll call him up and you know talk about really deep things and relations about
0: Sheldon Cooper
1: <laughs> I won't say but it's not Sheldon
0: can <laughs> we say it off air
1: I'll say it off air yeah
0: <laughs> if you're listening haha <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah you know he's he's someone I call up when I really need some good wisdom and just a good conversation about life. And, uh, but it has nothing to do with him being famous, you know?
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's important. There's a thing my buddy just brought up to me recently, which was there was a trend going on a couple of months ago where somebody would text either the, the number one digit above yours or num- number one digit below yours. And they would text you, Hey, how's it going? I'm your number neighbor. <laughs> Even something like that. Yeah, something so simple as even striking up a conversation can lead you to the biggest connections you've ever had in your life. I look at everyone like, why would I deny myself a conversation based on anything? You know, it's about having peace with oneself. And I believe you'll never truly be at peace with oneself if you can't overcome the biggest enemy, which is yourself. And it's conflicting point of view because of the fact of you're never going to be able to overcome yourself. Your self is going to be the biggest obstacle until you die. But Having the openness to realize that these people aren't your enemy. nobody's your enemy. The only enemy is yourself. And that's because you stand in the way of your own aspirations, your own goals. I, I know that sounds motivational talk, but truly- no, it's, it's it, it, profound. Well, it, I, it opened up to me because of the fact of like, I have really bad anxiety when it comes to getting out in front of people, being on stage, being on screen. But the biggest passion in my life was wanting to be an actor. Huh. Then next thing you know, I'm- Talking to people where I grew up through school, people calling me annoying and telling me to shut up, and now people listen to me. It's so freaking weird, twist of events, but it's like you're standing in the goal of what you want to do. I don't want to be on camera, but I want to be on camera. So, what's keeping me back from being on camera? Well, it's myself and Tom Holland.
1: Worried about what everyone else thinks. You know, actually, I um, was doing like a lot of singing, I was recording some demos in Toronto up until like a couple of years ago. And when I, I started like singing in public and playing a guitar when I was like sixteen or 15, I think fifteen, and um, I would always have the biggest stage fright. I was always so like right before I went on, I would be like just uh, sometimes even the first verse would be like trembling, and I realized it was because <clears throat> I was so worried would they like me? Would is this song gonna be something that they enjoy? You know, I what are they gonna think? When I changed my perspective to I'm going to come up here and give them a gift and they can receive it or they cannot receive it. But this is my gift to you. I mean, sometimes if I haven't sang in a while, it's like a little rusty, I, I can get some jitters, but if I get up there in, and, and same with public speaking and I'm giving people a the gift, there's a difference. Like, I'm not looking like, I hope you think I'm good or you like me. It's, this is a gift and you can receive it or you don't, but it has nothing to do with me. And you talked about like being our own worst enemies, but we can become our own best friend. And we can extend that same empathy that we talk about giving others to ourselves. You know, like, oh, okay, I am concerned about what people think of me when I walk into the grocery store and sweats. Is that because I don't love myself? Or is it because I just feel like I'm a put together person and I wanna always portray that like, I'm pretty put together. If it's that I don't really like myself, okay, let me go into that a little bit more for some reason, I, I never think I'm good enough. I never think I can do enough. And of course I want to strive for the best, but can I also have this parallel striving for the best and accepting and loving myself for where I am? Cause I found for me, I'm like you, I actually, ego is a big thing for me. Uh, you know, being a singer, it's like we're, we're vain and we're up in front of like ego is huge. And then also rigidity. I was like always having to do the best job. You know, I wanted to get the, do everything, the very best I could, I could never give myself like a little grace and I would create these impossible standards, which a lot of times I would meet them, but I was so, uh, driven and hustling and which is all like positive words in our society that I was a little bit rigid with everyone else and hustling and not giving other people grace, you know, because I didn't give myself any grace. Why would I give you any grace? Right. Um, Give you a little break. Like sometimes, and so now I'm really working on like, okay, I'm still making this book a bestseller. I'm still going out and doing all the things I need to do. And I'm gonna be okay with where I'm at today. You know, it doesn't mean I'm gonna, you know, slack off. I'm just gonna be okay with me and not expect more out of myself than I I can give. Pushing is it's it's weird because like I'm always pushing still but then also giving myself a little grace to be where I'm at and others. Cause I think I was just so rigid with others. Like, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you, do- you know, I, I would be the person who like, did you do this? Did you do that? Like, uh, you know, are you, oh, you're complaining about not making enough sales. Did you do this and this and this and this and this and this and that, because we didn't, it's your fault, you know, <laughs> like, which on one hand it kind of is, but on the other hand, there's also just like a balance of life and enjoying life too.
0: Yeah. Think about, being in the moment too but also when it comes to goal setting you don't want to set a goal that's so impossible to reach and you don't want to set a goal that's so easily reachable you want to set something in the middle that's going to take a lot of effort to get there because once you Mm -hmm. put in that effort it's just like doing anything when you do yard work or something afterwards and it's completed you feel like a man you're not even a man you feel like just empowered you're like (laughs) oh my god i feel like i could do anything yeah (laughs) and but if you pay somebody to do it then there's not that same effect it might get done and it might be easier on you but honestly it's when I put in work to something, I've always been happy with the product of it. When I leave it to someone else to do it for me, I don't it never either gets done or I just don't feel the same thing. And that's why in anything that you're passionate about, you should take every step that you take forward should be towards that thing. It should yeah. be trying to accomplish that. If that means you want to start your own business, we'll start your own business. Nine to fives aren't for everybody. Nine to fives, I think anybody can who doesn't work at nine to five can prove that I work 1 a.m. So let me tell you something, nine to fives ain't me, I'm in bed usually by (laughs) 5pm. But it's that aspect of you need to start working on looking inside of yourself and finding out what you want to do, because you don't want to be 60. When that hits you, you don't want to be like, Oh, my God, wait a minute, I should have did this. Life's already full of a lot of mischances and mistakes, you might as well not make another one and start doing what you want to do.
1: Definitely. And I think it's it's never too late to do that. And also on that same note, you know, some people are just more risk adverse and the idea of starting your own business sounds good. And the idea of working for yourself is lovely. But if you're just a risk adverse person who really likes security, find a job that really works for you because entrepreneurship means risking everything all the time, almost. Yeah. And so, you know, but there's a lot of, especially nowadays, more flexible jobs out there that are work from home or they're, you know, and they still have all this security, but more flexibility. And I'd say for the person who's more of a nine to fiver, but wants entrepreneurship lifestyle, those more flexible jobs might be the the way because it's really uh, not for the faint of heart to own your own businesses. <laughs> and, you know, the the statistics are, you know most businesses go out of business before five years and so
0: right now it's better to be a business entrepreneur from home you don't want a brick and mortar place
1: definitely not yeah and then you can also get in with like a lot of low startup costs you don't have the overhead that a brick and mortar business has yeah i've never actually owned a brick and mortar because i've i've felt that way for the longest time that uh, i used to do my fitness business i would go to people's homes you know i had my little bag of equipment And we'd do stuff in their homes, you know, and I remember I was like 22 and making 110 an hour, you know, and I'm like, this is the life. I'm going to do it forever. And then the 2008, 2009 crash hit. And a lot of my clients were like losing their properties, losing their businesses. And then that trickle down effect was mine too. Right. And so, um, you know, nothing's forever, even a job though. I mean, that's one thing we, we, I think we do need to learn to take risks and learn to fail sometimes so that when failures happen, again, it's that those dips, failures happen. And if you know that, Hey, I've failed, and I've gotten right back up before, or, you know, it's taken me a year, but I've gotten back up. Then you can not be so afraid to take the leap, right? Because you've,
0: I don't, I'm not going to sing the lyric line, but the line goes, life is like a roller coaster. So filled with these ups and downs and these rounded rounds, we're climbing to the top ever so fast now, but I feel the drop is getting closer. That's kind of like a good realization of what life is that a lot of times you're on this huge upswing and then there's the drop. You got to understand there is a drop there, but that doesn't mean you're going to keep dropping. You have the chance to pull yourself back up. I always say like um, Joe Rogan, I'm going to quote him. I don't care. He has a, a really good quote when it comes to the aspect of how people are like sandcastles where we spend all this time and all this power and all this. I mean, just amazing effort creating this amazing castle in the sand knowing that with one wave it could all be washed away Mm -hmm. people are trying their hardest to make a mark and it's amazing but they want the instant payout and not the process life isn't forever as far as i figured out elon musk hasn't gotten us there yet and i hope he doesn't because i think the best thing about life is that there is an end to it because that makes all this time that you have in this life so much more valuable
1: yes have you seen that movie uh it was with brad pitt it was like he was oh what character was he from greek mythology but he says that he's one of the greek gods. he's achilles that's who he is and he brad says pitt? to the other character yeah it's brad it's uh i can't remember the movie the troy i think is the movie oh, okay anyway he says to the female character who is human right that um That's exactly what makes being human precious is that every moment could be your last. And so you have to live every moment as if it could be your last where the gods don't have that, you know, in, because they're going to live forever, no matter what they do, it's going to keep going. Um, And it was this really poignant moment in the scene that you're like, yeah, every moment could be your last. And so you have to live, you know, live like you're going to live forever as far as your health and things. And then live like it's going to be your last. Tell your loved ones that you love them. I mean, I'm so grateful. The very last thing I said to my brother was uh, I got up and gave him a big hug and a kiss on the cheek. I said, love you. See you later. You know, that was the very last thing I said.
0: Damn, that's better than the last thing I get to say to my grandma. She said she has the Alzheimer's thing. I'm mm-hmm. like the, the brain tumor or whatever. But uh-huh. I was, we were watching Django and it was like the 46th time in the matter of 15 minutes that she had asked me who I was. And I just go, will you shut up and watch Django? And she <laughs> remembers that, but doesn't remember me. She just remembers a kid in a, I always wear a hoodie. So she's like, oh, uh-huh. it's, it's that boy in the hoodie. And my mom's like, yep. She uh keeps bringing up the fact you yelled at her about Django. I was like, why does <laughs> she remember that and not remember all the times we spent by the pool together? That's amazing.
1: Right. Well, you think about what causes impressions, you know, um, it caused an impression on that guy that you gave him a ride home. You know, that was something that most people didn't or wouldn't do. He has a podcast. Um, And then it, yeah. Yeah. And he has a podcast. Um, He gave me
0: this. I've shot him out in an episode. He to work at McDonald's. I went through the drive-thru and I was just like, I got a toy. He's like, you want a toy? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you're a grown ass man. I was like, of course I want a toy. I'm a grown ass man.
1: (laughs) You know, I think it's so important too, to just like, continue to enjoy the small things, right? Like if a toy still brings you joy, awesome. You know, like you don't have to always be flying around on the private jets, like you were saying your friend, you know, and like um, sometimes just a toy can bring you joy. And how awesome is that?
0: So I'm saying you just got to look at the optimistic side of things. Are you going to sit there and complain all day about everything that went wrong in your life? Or why don't you just celebrate that you made it through a day because someone out there didn't? Yeah,
1: yeah. And that's, that's that balance, like I was saying, I, I find with myself. Sometimes I'm pushing myself so hard that nothing's ever good enough, but to balance it out with, you know what, you made it through the day, you were kind to people, and tomorrow's another day to do all you can, but also just enjoy it. And and to take some days, actually, you were talking about, you know, solitude and liking to be with your thoughts. My favorite thing to do when I make the time for it is go to a silent monastery and just hang out up there with the monks in the silence and i tell you by about the third day i swear i'm out it's right it's in big sur california the one that i like to go to most and it's like basically on the cliff and you see all the waves rocks and stuff and the first few days your mind is still like oh did i catch up with that email and did i and like i have a thought and i'm like i need to google that but the phone doesn't work so i can't google that and by the third day, my mind is still enough that I'm sitting there on the patio of my little—they call it your cell—the <laughs> room, and, and uh, I can hear the blades of grass like going up against each other like a symphony, and it's like the whole world around me has just become this concert of waves and blades of grass and birds, and and it's like I wasn't tuned into that station until about the third day, and I had to come get still, get silent to really be able to tune into what's all around me all the time and I don't even notice it.
0: Like I said, it's we're so minuscule in this thing that we don't even realize it's a whole symphony going on in the background. Yeah. It's really that's why I really try and like when I can like the other day I was I think it was like last Sunday, I smelled fall like the mm. smell of what it seems like the what the smell of leaves changing would be and I was like what the like what person and I was just talking to people at work like do you smell that it smells like fall outside oh my god it's amazing you should sound like a cup of coffee and they're like how old are you and I'm like in my 20s and they're like no kid in your 20s is thinking about smelling fall and I'm like man that's missing out dude like there's just so much that you don't even realize is going on in the grand scheme of things I'm happy I'm like I don't think of myself as an old soul, but I like to on the concept of I like to take in appreciation for a lot of things, too.
1: You know, I do feel like not everyone, but I do feel like a lot of people in their 20s are, you know, waking up to, you know, let's not miss this until we're 50. Let's like try to get life a little sooner so that we can enjoy more of it
0: because everybody's dying so damn early when it comes yeah. to like you know people are losing friends that are the same age or people are losing their parents or something and it all has to do with health i'll to come down to what you're eating people are freaking eating yeah. i don't even know um cheeseburgers and stuff and they're wondering why they're they're like dying at the age of 50 from clogged arteries it's like yeah, yeah once you start seeing that you wonder why the kids preaching vegan or preaching boba tea it makes sense right. doesn't it
1: well, when people say, you know, like heart attacks run in my family or stuff, I'm like, yeah, so do cheeseburgers. Like you guys have eaten the same way for generations. So it's no, like, it's not that profound that you would all have heart attacks. It's like, maybe if cheeseburgers didn't run in your family, then heart attacks
0: wouldn't run Maybe in your if somebody <laughs> ran in your family, it might. Yeah,
1: change. maybe if someone, <laughs> exactly, you know, it's, um, I, especially, you know, when I was a trainer and um, I still have friends from that time of my life. And we're still all obsessed with longevity and how to be as healthy as possible. you know. And you really look at at gene expression and so little of it is what you naturally have. And there's so much that you actually can cause your genes to express in a different way than maybe your parents did with their cheeseburgers and negative thoughts. And even like how much thought life has to do with your physical health
0: is just nuts really. You got to expound on that word thought. Which version of thought are you talking about?
1: So uh, even, you know, like Like kind of our, yeah, our mind, our like, even our anxious thoughts, you know, think about.
0: Well, I was saying, I don't think I know what you mean, but thoughts means different things in today's terms. It's also slang for a very, very scandalous woman. (laughs) Oh, she, a thought like that's what it's T-H-O-T.
1: Oh, well, that's That's the only thing I hate
0: about millennials is the slang. It's getting- You know, it's funny.
1: I'm like the oldest millennial you can be. I think 1983 is like, you're still a millennial, but you're really not, you know? So (laughs) So I'm like, I'm the oldest millennial (laughs) that uh, is possible. Um, But no, you're like, think about like when you're anxious, what your physiology does, you know, it's tense, right? Your physiology is tense when you're anxious. If you're depressed, your physiology is slumped, right? And so we can train our brain to think new thoughts. Like there's so much neuroscience now that shows like basically if you've thought an anxious thought or a depressed thought many, many times, you've think about like water running through a rock and it causes erosion, you've eroded your brain in a certain pathway. But the great thing about the human brain is it's very malleable. It can be um it can change. And you can choose new thoughts and it takes like practice kind of like uh, when your muscles are tight, you know, and you just first start doing stretches and maybe you first start working the, the counter muscle to start balancing your body out at first is really challenging until the muscles start getting on board with what's going on. And then they, they do what they're supposed to do. And you're like, Oh, this, this exercise is easy. And I'm really flexible here now. And I'm really strong here. Um, We can do the same thing with our brain where we, you know, the normal thought comes up. And if we are conscious enough, there's actually Joe Dispenza. I'm not sure if you've heard of him. He has a really great book with a horrible title called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And it's ways to train your brain into the ways that you want to be. Like for instance, um, I'm a really good talker. Sometimes I'm not that great at pausing and listening. And so One thing that I started doing, and I should probably get back in the habit, because now that I run a show, I notice I'm always trying to keep the show going, you know, with the guests. So, because it's on TV and we can't have breaks that make the audience feel awkward. Um, And so (laughs) I would start going into my mind and like kind of rehearse like athletes do the conversation before it happened. And like, I'd walk into the coffee shop, I'd give him a hug, sit down. When he'd say something profound, I'd stop and come up with questions because before I would come up with questions after I had left for three hours and wish I had asked them. Um, but I started retraining my brain, but it's just like exercise. If you don't keep training it, it's just going to go back to the way it naturally
0: goes back into old patterns,
1: back in old patterns. Exactly. So, but it's really cool that just like we can chain our body to, to, be something more of what we choose we Can do the same thing with our brain, and then our brain affects our body because our brain affects our physiology so much.
0: It's, it's a incredible. chain reaction, yeah. <laughs> well, I think you've promoted enough uh, other people's stuff. Why don't you promote where people can find you at Raina?
1: Sure, um, you can find me at reina-rose.com. That's R E I N A little well, dash R O S E.com. Um, but If you just go on instagram i'm the soul nutritionist i love chatting with people there Um, i've got a lot about the new book coming out called sin tastes good nourishing your soul in an empty calorie world and um i get on and read a little excerpt from it every day so if you want to check out what it's about before you buy try before you buy um it's up on there but yeah i'd love to see you it's the soul nutritionist the little things under underscores in between the words so
0: I'll make sure i link that in the description. And thank you for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. If you want to visit iTunes or Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcast, rate, review, subscribe, and even share the show. Helps me out. Leave me a little something like a little message about oregano or Domino's pizza or how Papa John's is evil. Thanks for checking out Out of the Blank Podcast.